Sound of Truth starts now. Welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview, as we seek to inform, inspire, and encourage you in your walk with Christ through engaging interviews of ordinary people in whom God is doing an extraordinary work. I'm your host, Brett Morani, and I'm excited that you've chosen to join us. I'm excited to have in the studio with me Dr. John Crabtree. John currently serves as the director of training for the Great Commission Collective, a network of churches of which our church is one of the founding members. John was in our neck of the woods and came to worship with us on a Sunday morning with our body of believers. He was kind enough to come into the studio here and join me for Sound of Truth weekly interview. And John's going to tell us a story, but before he does that, just want to give you a little little bit more information about him. John has been married for several years to his wife, Vicki, and they have three grown children, 12 grandchildren, soon to be 13. He hails from Indiana, lives in Indianapolis. He is a diehard Kentucky Wildcats fan, though, because that's where he went to school. Hey, go Cats. There you go. So, John, welcome to Sound of Truth Weekly Interview. Hey, thanks, Brett. Good to be here. Glad to have you, John. I'm thrilled that you've come on to share your story. So why don't we just go ahead and dive in? You're going to tell your testimony, tell your story, and we're going to enjoy the time together to see how God's worked in your life. So, so John, what's your story? Yeah, thanks, Brett. It's great to be with you. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, and my mom and dad were Christians. They raised me to know and love God, and it was an exciting place to be. They were um, leaders in every capacity that you could imagine in the church, uh, which gave me an opportunity to see God at work in their lives. And so one of the passages that really impacted me early on and, and throughout my life has been Ephesians chapter 2. It's interesting that um, there are three key ideas in this text that continue just to transform and shape my life. And when I act on these ideas, they really become powerful forces that attack and destroy the enemies of my soul. And so the key for me is the acting and doing part. You know, James talks about the fact that we need to be doers of the word and not just hearers, and he gives us a promise. He says, the person who does that will be blessed in what he does. So I guess the first thing that impacted me as I as I looked at this particular passage is to realize that God's love is unconditional. Paul talks about the fact that it's a great love. God loves us not because of anything that we do, it's just his character. It's just his nature mm. to mm-hmm. love. And so I experienced a human version of this love growing up in my home as a a young boy. And one day something began to click when I heard these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so in Sunday school, one of the teachers, I remember this very clearly, She said, John, why don't you put your name in there? And so as I read that verse again, I said, you know, for God so loved Johnny. I mean, that's what my mom and dad called me. So that's kind of what I put in there. And it, it was amazing what happened because I began to relate to that as a, as a person. And I, I knew that my dad and mom loved me, but at that point, I knew God loved me. And as they demonstrated their love in the home and, and with me, so did God. 
And so, you know, Paul says God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What age were you at this point in time? I was like nine. Okay, nine years old. Yeah. Did you have siblings? I did. I had uh, one brother. Okay, older, younger? He's a younger brother, about okay. five years younger than oh, me. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Two of you being raised in a Christian home. Yep. You're being faithfully brought to church, but this is the time when it kind of just broke. The light came on, and it was one of those experiences. I didn't know everything, but I knew enough, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was it was a it, it was one of those light bulb moments, and I really believe that that Jesus was God's son, that He died on the cross for my sins, and at nine year old I made a commitment to Christ of what I knew, mm-hmm. and I was baptized. Great. Yeah. The issue comes later. The issue comes in demonstrating and living out this love. Because that became my challenge. Okay. You know, going back to James says, be a doer of the word and not hearer only. Well, it became the challenge for me to be able to do that. So as I grew up, everywhere I lived, I lived in a neighborhood where all the guys I hung around with looked like me. Interesting. But when I got to high school, that was a total different story. Uh, By the way... My goal in life was to play professional baseball. Ah, gotcha. You, you, you got bit by the baseball bug. <laughs> I did. And my dad and I worked really hard toward that goal. And by the time I got to high school, there were some people who actually thought that I had some potential. Okay. And so I was drafted out of high school by the mm. Detroit Tigers, which mm-hmm. was an honor. Uh, but my freshman year of high school was the first year that our school district began busing. And so for integration, you, for integration. Yeah. And if you've seen the movie, remember the Titans, mm-hmm. we had a remember the Titans day every single day in high school. So define that there was so much animosity. There was so much distrust between the blacks and the whites, between the blacks and the whites. There was so much anger and there was so much misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time, Brett, in my life that I really encountered people who were different than me, mm-hmm. who looked mm-hmm. different than me. They looked different to me, and I know I look different to them. And even bigger than the surface-level looks was the different cultures. The two cultures coming together was a cultural clash yeah. that no one was ready for. Okay. We, weren't, we weren't even prepared. And, and what, what was happening is I began to feel something happening inside of me. And l- I later identified it as feelings of prejudice. Mm. Um, you know, the dictionary says prejudice is a preconceived judgment or opinion or an adverse opinion or a, a, a leaning formed without just gr- just grounds or before sufficient knowledge. Not really overt racism, but a, but an irrational attitude of hostility that's directed toward an individual, a group or race or or whatever. So, as you well know, there are all kinds of prejudice. There's racial prejudice, social prejudice, intellectual, political prejudice, religious, et cetera, et cetera. My point is that it's really easy to judge people who are different. And so the problem with prejudice is it manifests itself in many ways. And for me, it was an attitude of judgmentalism. Mm. And so I began to find myself judging people based on how they looked, what they said, Mm. even without having all the facts. For instance, I, you know, find myself thinking that poor people were just 
lazy and irresponsible. I mean, it, I, I didn't have all the facts behind that feeling. And so I just made a judgment call. And so some things began to happen that helped me to be, uh, to see how this enemy was really, really destroying my soul. Mm. As I said before, I was drafted out of high school by the Tigers, but I chose to attend University of Kentucky on a baseball scholarship. And two years into that experience, I blew my elbow out. Mm. As a pitcher, <laughs> that's not very good. I mean, that was a huge dream buster in my life. And during that time, I married my high school sweetheart, Vicki. I started working for Eli Lilly and Company, started cleaning toilets and mopping floors, and got to the point where I took a leave of absence to go to the University of Louisville to complete a master's degree in chemical engineering with the intent of returning to Lilly, and we had our whole life plan in front of us. But I got in a large church in Louisville and felt that God was redirecting and calling me into vocational ministry. So in moving to Louisville, we moved from a nice apartment to an unfinished basement. Mm. And I remember kneeling on that concrete floor, weeping, with tears pooling around me, saying, God, you just take me and do what you will with my life. Mm -hmm. I'm yours. And God redirected my life. And I began to cut my ministry teeth and the bus ministry. I started going into the, the bus low... ministry. Let me define that for some of our younger listeners. Yeah. Because uh, not quite as one. popular today. <laughs> but back in the day, yeah, one of the... Uh, successful for many years at least uh ministries that churches would do for outreach was they would run buses through neighborhoods and of course they would get the word out in those neighborhoods most likely through door-to-door type of outreach and stuff hey do you go to church if not you have, I see you have children love for you to come and so we'll pick up your kids on this bus exactly. and just like taking a bus to school these buses would go through neighborhoods and pick up kids and take them to sunday school and to church and then drop them back off parents loved it because it was it was daycare for a few hours for them right, right? so right yeah so so i started going into the low income housing projects in Louisville, mm-hmm. Kentucky, and meeting people and ministering to people and knocking on doors. And, you know, what I found behind those doors were, were really eye-opening to me. Now, you mm-hmm. have to remember my background. Mm-hmm. And so God began to surface uh, some of the feelings of social and racial prejudice that, that I found judgmentalism began kicking in. Mm. I had no idea what to do with these feelings. And so this church in Louisville planted a church in New Albany, and I became the pastor of this plant. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget a man by the name of Ed McCrary. Um, What a man. What a man of God. I I mean, this guy could fix anything. Uh, He introduced me to a nursing home ministry, Mm -hmm. and we started going into nursing homes there in New Albany, Indiana. And so I'm visiting one of these three nursing homes one Sunday afternoon, And I met an elderly lady who was on oxygen. Mm. And in the course of our conversation, she received Christ and and made a commitment to Jesus, which was was awesome. Mm -hmm. But then she wanted to be baptized. And I I told her, I I don't know about that because, you know, I'm thinking it might be too dangerous for her. She's on oxygen. But she assured me that she wanted to be obedient to Jesus' command. So what do you say? Right. You know? And so I'll never forget her looking me in the eye and saying, I trust you, Pastor. She was a black woman. Oh, yeah. And God used her. Her words penetrated my heart. She was different than I was, Mm -hmm. and I was different from her. But God used this in my life because at that moment, 
I sensed a wave of God's great love rushing over my soul like a flood, Mm. bringing healing to a spirit of judgmentalism. Praise the Lord. And I began to realize that the only power, the only weapon powerful enough to overcome and kill this enemy of my soul was the great love of God. Mm. And guess what? God placed that within me. He says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured, inundated, flooded into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. So here's my question. So what difference has God made in my life? Well, he's increased the capacity of my heart to love people. Mm -hmm. You know, I watched the Grinch Stole Christmas movie with my kids growing up, and I watched that with, you know, my grandkids. And the picture of the Grinch's heart when it's so minuscule. Mm. And then later on in the movie, you know, it, it grew in capacity. And that's what happened to my heart. And so my response has been, God has given me a desire to really respect people. Um, that, that love began to, to be expressed in how I see people, how I respond to people. And now I see people as human beings made in the image of God. And because of that, I respect them. And I treat them, try to as best as I can, with dignity and worth and value. I've had the opportunity to travel the world and be involved with many different cultures, and it is a totally different experience than what my freshman year in high school was Mm. because Mm -hmm. of the unconditional love of God. What a great testimony, John. Thank you so much for sharing. And I know this isn't your whole story, so we're going to invite you to come back for our next episode and share the rest of what God has been teaching you So this is the reason why we have these weekly interviews at Sound of Truth. We want to expose our listeners to as many stories of God's grace and how he's worked specifically in people's lives. And everybody's story is different, but at the same time, we share so many things in common. And as we hear each other's stories, the Lord uses it to help grow us in different ways as believers. So, John, thank you again for your testimony, and we look forward to having you on next week's weekly interview as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville. It is copyrighted by Brett A. Mirani, 2022.